Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. We wanted to talk today about the concept, because um, this has come up a lot for me lately, and I think, I'm, I'm sure, Mel, you've heard lots of people say this, but where it, it's kind of a conversation about is intuition or psychicness or mediumship, all that stuff. This is, uh, people have referred to it as, oh, you're so gifted, or oh, you have this gift, you were born with this gift. And my stance on this is that everybody has this gift, but not everyone like believed that statement to be true. So we essentially just wanted to, I guess, experience share on, you know, why that is, and maybe just kind of bounce around some belief systems. Cause you, that's your, like, if I'm correct, right. You stand on the same side as I do with that Mel, that you believe this is something we can develop, that it's a skill, that it's something that can be learned. Yeah. I think that you can be born with a gift and lose your gift. <laughs> and I think you can be born not knowing you have a gift and acquire your gift. I th- I've kind of um, referred to it as like a form of literacy. Mm-hmm. So if like I, like, yeah, like I, I'm a human being and I am capable of reading, but if no one teaches me how to read, I might not ever be able to read. And I shouldn't say teaches me, like if I don't learn to read, I might not be ever be able to read. Um, but if I read a great deal, I might become very literate. So it, and it sort of works on a spectrum for me like that as well. Um, so when I'm, for instance, when I'm teaching tarot workshops, I try to explain to people that their first tarot readings are going to be really like the adult version of like when they were reading grade one books see Jane run. Jane runs fast. So your tarot readings, when you first start out, might not be really profound. (laughs) They might be like, you are not satisfied at work. And then they're disappointed because that's not detailed or it's not, you know, this big experience. It's like, but what you said was accurate. So it's okay that it wasn't this big story. You're developing that skill that there's going to be more that comes with it, but you're going to have to read the grade one books before you can read the novels. Mm, Yes. I think it always starts out as, um, well, it it can be a natural born gift, truly. I think every child is born with it. Um, they They don't have the programmed cage of the mind that we do that's like, that's weird, this is normal, this is acceptable. And um, it's just like that confirmation bias, right? I want to see a green car. What do you see? A million green cars. It's a skill in self-esteem that ends up being a, a journey in trust. And trust is is the ultimate step. You can, um, uh, I guess I'll share a little bit about how, like, I know I was born with it. And uh something that I had very early on and my, my dad also is incredibly strong in this gift as well. Um, but then something that I, as I became more conditioned by the culture and familial upbringing, something that I became ashamed of and something that I learned to hide, uh, disconnected, but still connected. So I would still, um, receive intuitive hits, but I wasn't sharing them. And I like to think about it as like a relationship and this may be a little bit weird, but no one wants to be in a relationship with someone that they're ashamed of. And definitely the person who's being the one who's ashamed of doesn't want to be there. They're not going to 
tell, um, they're not going to give themselves to that person. And I think intuition is like that. I think that the more that you trust in it and the more you build trust in yourself and, and trust in your external environment that, you know, um, no, and also again, no one wants to share with someone who's not open to, to receiving. And Tanya and I just talked about in a, another episode is the misunderstanding code. It's okay. Um, I'm okay with people misunderstanding me. I think that you really have to get comfortable with people misunderstanding you, but also leveraging your, your energy. Um, I don't share with a room full of um, doctors what I would share with a room full of women who were on a spiritual path. My languaging would be very different, um, but it doesn't mean that I'm not teaching just the same. I'm always in the teaching mode, but it's like leave the breadcrumbs where the people will find them. Um, and so that's like, stepping into trust. Um, I trust myself to exist in this world and to have the gifts I have, but you have to also understand yourself because if you don't understand yourself, you'll end up projecting a lot onto other people. And I think that that's where people get um, confused with intuition is that because they feel something inside, especially empathic people, that they project it onto others. I'm in a really good relationship with, is this me or is this them? Um, you have to know yourself. It's funny that you say that part. Cause I asked a friend, um, recently, cause she was like, Oh, I, I was sitting beside this woman. It was during a meditation. Hopefully I can tell the story. I'll, I'll keep it anonymous just so that all parties are protected. Um, but she was like sitting beside someone in a meditation and, and she's like, yeah, I, she said, I just got hit by this wave of emotions. She cried and she's like, I was definitely, um, picking up on this person beside me. And I was like, that's, I said, that's interesting. What was your, like, how did you create that? How did you know, essentially what's yours? What's hers? Like, what was your, like, and, and this is me data seeking. Cause I, um, I, I, cause sometimes people ask that they're like, well, how do I know what's, what's mine and what's theirs and what's, and so when, when I, when someone else tells me their experience, I go, Oh, how did you know? Like, what was the, the separating factor to know that that was their emotions and yours are the one, they weren't yours that you were picking them up or, or whatever. Um, and so how would you differentiate? Like, if you're go, is that mine or is that theirs? What's, what's a sign to you that it is someone's or another's? I think that's interesting. Cause you know how many times I've heard that story, that exact same story, oh, I was sitting next to someone and then all of a sudden I'm crying and they're, I'm having this experience for them. Uh, I, I, I always think it's theirs. <laughs> it's not anyone else's. It's just that they're so uncomfortable with the emotion that they don't want it to be theirs. They had that experience and obviously there was healing involved and couldn't receive it on the level that it was meant to be received. How you would know that is is this my wounding? Is this something that I is current with me? Um, and, and another thing, don't just pop into someone's energy. <laughs> like you do have a choice. And uh, there, you know, if that's happening and, and you do think it's someone else's and you receive that, if you're wondering, which I don't think that people who say, I sat next to someone and I had this experience for them. I don't actually think they're wondering and they want to know. But if you want to know if it's yours or if it's theirs, ask them. 
say, I had this experience next to you and I'm not sure if it's mine or if it's yours. Don't ever just say I had this experience for you because I think that that's pretty presumptuous. Um, from my standpoint, that's not how I would approach someone. After I might have I paraphrased it wrong. In. To protect this person in question. (laughs) Uh, But this has come up for me. I'm not judging her at all, but it's been an experience that I've heard a lot. Yeah, it's, um, it, it is interesting. I, I, uh, identify as a very strong boundary holder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so there are certain empathic experiences people share with me and, uh, they feel foreign, which is why I, ask questions as well Mm -hmm. Um, because people ask me and I know that my answer is not well suited to all people because um, for me it's it's circumstantial for sure but there are basically many circumstances where I am now quite good at knowing where your boundaries are, my boundaries are, and basically keeping my experience mine and yours, yours. And like, or knowing, I guess like, oh, uh, I do feel something, but that isn't mine. I don't know how to explain it. But anyways, so I guess it's like, just, because I'm just like, oh no, but I get really affected by people that are angry. (laughs) So it's like, oh, it's not a perfect science exactly, but I do know that like situations come up where I'm like, oh, that did not, I did not. But I like that you said the thing, sorry, I'm like not organized in my thoughts today. Uh, But I liked that you said sitting beside someone, because I've had this happen to myself where I've, you know, like say you were crying uh, and I'll be crying because you're crying or you tell me a story and I feel it with you or Okay, here's a an example. Um, I have played and I I have had like the great honor of playing at a number of funerals. And it's it sounds morbid, but it's actually my favorite place to play. It feels the most like raw, and I guess it feels like the most truest expression of why I play music is playing at a funeral. Um I think it's because it's it, it's it's a healing environment probably is actually something to that effect. But I can go to a funeral that I don't know the person that passed away. I might not even know the person that are closest to the family. I might've just got referred there or, or something. Um, and I will ball like the whole funeral all ball because these people lost someone important to them. And there's a part of me that wonders like if, in a way they are facilitating my healing. Like I'm crying for some reason that I need to, and I struggle to cry. I struggle to be uh, emotionally expressive in that nature. Like uh, if I need to cry, like, you know, people will be like, ah, I just need a good cry or I need to have a meltdown. I actually have to usually watch a movie to trigger it because I can't actually just cry. Like it doesn't just come out. Maybe I can talk it out sometimes and cry, but I'm not often comfortable around people enough to talk and cry in front of a person. So I half wonder if sometimes being in those environments. uh, So anyways, I just like the way you said that. I was like, oh, I've never thought of it. Like they facilitated me getting processing something that was like sitting in my body and I didn't have an outlet for it because it's not a strength of mine. And so I was in an environment that facilitated. Does this make sense? I don't feel like I'm articulating oh, myself very well. Yeah, totally. You're disconnected from crying 
And uh, we, you have to have an out external source to uh, create a safe enough space for you to cry. So it's like, um, there may be some sort of, and this is, again, uh, this is just what I would work with inside of a client. There may be some sort of story or belief system that it has come up along the way that it's not safe to cry for yourself. It's not safe to have these deep feelings for yourself. But for other people, for movies, for where's the safest place to cry, the most um, recognized and acknowledged safe place to cry is a funeral. And so it sounds like almost that you look for safe places to cry where you can cry for others, but not for yourself. Perfect. Good. <laughs> I'm going to call you for a session, Mel. <laughs> That's like, uh, I think about it too, is that when people say, um, this isn't mine, it is, it may not be present for you right now, but if you can see it in someone else, if you have the ability to share with them and intellectualize, uh, what you're feeling for them, you have felt it. You have either uh, empathically experienced it, like I know for a lot of my storage cabinet is through being uh, in other people's energy as they experience stuff, but I, I, it takes me into a deep um, uh, resonance of experience myself. If you've not experienced it, you will not see it. You won't see it. There's just no way. So when someone says it wasn't mine, in some way, at some time, it is or was. Oh, it's such an interesting way to, to, um, like to, to view that. Okay. So then what are your thoughts on, I feel like we've taken a turn in the digression. I guess we just didn't need to talk about that very much about the intuitive being born with or skill set or whatever, but anyways, okay, no, I have a question. So then what are your thoughts on, um, because I had to claim, um, as like a, uh, okay. So when I was working with people physically, uh, so I used to do Thai yoga massage and I actually had to step back from it because I was having trouble with not like, um, harvesting, like whatever my clients were offletting. So, cause you're in a healing space. So people are finally like releasing, like they're releasing pain, they're releasing, um, just like all the ick. Right. And I would have, I'd be in these situations where I would have one or maybe even two clients and then I'd have to go home and sleep for three hours. And I was like so worn out and I had headaches and body pain and all this stuff. And, um, I ended up going to a friend of mine who does really heavy duty energy work and also body work. And I was like, okay, I've talked to people about, you know, protecting my energy before I start. Nothing is working. What do you do? I'm like, I know you see multiple clients a day and you're like still standing. So how are you doing this? And she goes, I don't claim it. It's not mine. I don't claim it. So it's not mine. If I get a headache, she's like, I just, there's a headache. This person has a headache. There was once experienced a headache, but she doesn't, she's like, I don't say it's my headache. So I don't claim it. And basically as soon as I sort of used her practice of going when I um, felt things in my body or experienced things, um, whether they were emotions, whether they were physical sensations, I essentially used it as more like data and then released it as not like not taking ownership of it, not saying it's mine. Um, I was able to do more treatments. Like I was able to actually like kind of, to me, what it felt like is I was able to work as a, um, like a channel to like get 
to move that stuff through and out of their body as opposed to just being the sponge that took it and I, like instead of being the dumpster I was the dump truck <laughs> so what how does that work then if if I'm going or in like in your opinion if because then I because I don't want to own it okay anyways I think you know what I'm asking yeah would you consider yourself someone who likes to solve other people's problems absolutely <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> I think that what is probably happening is that you are carrying it with you uh, when you go. It's almost like because you, um, a part, big part of your personality is that you're here to serve intellectually, problem solve, you know, you're the fixer that that could be it. And so you're going into your sessions as the fixer Tanya instead of the healer Tanya. And the healer Tanya is just a facilitator with non-attachment. If I have, um, and so I work with mentorship with a lot of energy workers and I'll get a lot of questions like, I'm just not having good sessions lately. Or like, you know, I used to get a lot of validation and now it seems like clients aren't, um, you know, I don't know if they're going to come back. And I say, and <laughs> like there's just um inside of this work we cannot intellectualize uh what we're doing uh again you said it perfectly when you said I have to go in as the channel and the channel is unattached there's no attachment to any outcome whether or even that your client understands what you're saying or receives it in the way that you're meant to understand it I never um uh, I never mince words with what I hear from spirit. I always say it directly as it comes because spirit knows the language in which their body needs to receive it and that their intellect needs to receive it. So if I modify that to make the human self in me comfortable, I'm bypassing trust in spirit. I'm like, nope, I know better than you. And this is how I'm going to do it. Um, those sessions are shit. And then <laughs> the ones that I don't do that. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'm scared sometimes with the things that I have to say to people is it's always received with like, oh my God. And that will be like where the crack happens that they um, are able to release or the, the energy becomes unblocked. And it's maybe just, it's one word or a subtlety inside of a word that means something maybe to them from their past or triggers a past memory or event. And if we go in as our human selves and modify this too much, we we miss the whole experience. And so then if it's not you and you're just acting as facilitator, um, this is how I know. If I think about the session after in any sort of a way, whether it was awesome, pat myself on the back, or, ooh, I could have done a little better there, uh, I didn't serve my client. Uh, there, my ego was attached to that session in some way and interjected if I forget absolutely everything that was said inside the session and I don't think about them again, which is, I would say 9.5 out of 10 clients that I have, there are certain people who will trigger wounds in me that make me feel like I have to perform. And I do feel like a performing monkey on those ones. Those are very few, but that's not to say it doesn't happen because it does. Um, and those are always the, the crappiest sessions. Like you're just like, oh man, like they got me. <laughs> they, they made me like feel like I had to be or do something more than who I am to serve. And it interrupted everything. There was distortion. 
So if you think about it after, I would say that ego is involved. And maybe that's difficult when you're manipulating the body physically and having to have your intellect involved in, would you say it happened earlier on in your Thai massage experience or did it still happen after you'd like stored the movements in your subconscious? Um, I don't know if I understand the question. Uh, do you mean like if you're moving without thinking, like, uh, I I've had one of your Thai massages, but I don't know what it's like to be uh, a Thai masseuse is that if we are having to think about what we're doing, we're in our beta consciousness, which is the, uh, I am consciousness, like oh, I, I control, I will. Yeah. And the other is your subconscious. This is, um, touching spirit and unconscious touching spirit. It would, it would have been, um, well, the other thing to factor into this is when I was initially, like when I initially started Thai Massage, so it would have been in the beginning, um, but that phase of life I was in, I didn't believe in spirit. I didn't believe in psychic. I didn't believe in anything. And so I also, when I was telling other like massage practitioners, people, um, because the healing world does attract uh, a lot of healers and people. So they would tell me how to quote unquote, protect my energy. And I'm like, that sounds really stupid. So at first I didn't do anything. And then I was like noticing, I was feeling like garbage and I was like, okay, well I'll try this stupid thing. And then I was like, psh, psh, did this like stuff that they told me to do and it didn't work. And then I finally went to my friend with a slightly, slightly, slightly open mind and was like, what do you do? And knowing that she was doing like woohoo, even though I wasn't sure I believed in it at that point. And then um, she told me and I, it because it was a concept, like it was an idea of releasing ownership, like basically going like, ah, there is a headache as opposed to, ah, I have a headache. Um, it was conceptual and it wasn't like I had to like clap my hands over my head or something that I felt really weird doing. Um and it was simply a concept, it was much easier for me to integrate. I think also on that level, it appealed to the pragmatic person I was at the time. Um, I guess not that I'm still pragmatic, just a little different shade. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so it was early, but I was also in a different phase of my spiritual journey, if you will, also. Yeah, that's huge. That has everything to do with it, is that you had not yet learned that you were of service to something bigger, right? Like, I think that once that channel is open, it gives you almost like a hall pass is like, all right, spirit, <laughs> this is your show. I'm just the mouth and the fingers. I, I want to take you to, cause this was impactful for me. Um, you remember when you gave me uh, a master attunement, when you took your training and you did something really weird with your fingers, which was not part of the attunement. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this to me out of everything that happened that day, that stands out to me the most that meant the most to me and my energy, uh, because you were following, you said, I don't know why I'm doing this and you didn't need to know, but to me, it was the most impactful part of that whole attunement we don't need to know I think is what I'm trying to say is that we just have to trust and if it's that you have to say this or and always uh there are um there are caveats to this but we're talking about being in a healthy space with spirit but um 
if we trust what's coming, it's usually always leading us to the highest good. I should, I don't want to say usually it is in, in, if used in a healthy space with healthy people, it's leading you to the highest good. And I don't question it for a second. The Mm. headaches, um, those are, uh, the way of, um, uh, that's that the sentience of feeling. So we can hear as well. We can see, but that's that sentience of feeling. So you're able to experience what your client or some who are you're around just for a slight moment. Nothing should stay. Um, if it's staying, you still attach to ego, but there will be times in a session where I become completely dizzy or uh, my stomach will become upset. And I always will say, this is happening to me. Does this happen to you? Or are you experiencing this right now? Or um, I've had many clients with vertigo, which is also something that I've experienced myself. So I, I noticed those feelings and I'll get vertigo in the session. It's something that they're struggling with actively at that time. And so that's come up inside the session. And just to share it does a little bit of the healing. It does the healing that needs to be shared anyways. Well, I think we got to wrap it up for today. <laughs> Should we, do we have any parting notes, thoughts, anything we want to say? Mm, I feel like I hogged the end. But there's no hogging here. We are, <laughs> we are, we are partners in this experience. Yeah. I know. I just, I, I think this was like super, super interesting. I'm like, want to do, uh, we have, uh, candidly, we have some time constraints today, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe we'll have to come back and do like almost like a part two or actually hear this. I'll throw this out a call to action for listeners. If you have questions to elaborate on some of the yes. concepts that were brought up today, then send us a message. Um, Instagram is awesome. Or you can email, email us at spiritualbosspodcast at gmail.com um, and get in touch with us and ask us to elaborate. We'll make a, we'll make a part two if, uh, if that if it if if we get the if we get the prompts, we will make yeah. a part two. And what ways you want us to elaborate? If you do, that'd be great too. What we want to focus on there? Yeah, absolutely. Be detailed and and keep us posted. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. We are grateful. Peace in, peace out.